What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and we are on a Zoom call to Canada. Wayward Saint. I have uh, two of the the members of that band in Canada, and they have a message. Uh, They believe that rock and roll is well and alive, and they're doing it through their music. So guys, uh, introduce yourselves. What's going on? Hi, I'm Justin Bennett. And I'm Darren Flower, and we play proudly in a band called Wayward Sing.
with Wayward Saint, uh, tell me a little bit about the formulation. Okay, well, it was about 2000 and, you know, me and Justin, um, we used to play in separate bands um, in a little bit of our younger days and never really panned out the way that we wanted to. That's fine. So around 2015, 2016, we were both um, looking for musicians to start something new. So, so it goes back, the journey goes back a, a couple of years. So roughly around 2016, we both met each other and we live in the same city of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. You guys have states and we have provinces. And, you know, I'm a little bit older than him, like four or five years older, but it's so hard to find younger cats in this city that's into cool old school rock like Zeppelin, Humble Pie, Almonds, Skinner, Grand Funk, that kind of stuff. So he sent me a friend request on Facebook one day uh, because he, I, he saw me posting about these cool bands. And then we quickly became friends. And after a couple months, we um, thought maybe it might be a good idea to um, form a band. Actually, we were at a birthday party of yours. You want to talk about it a little yeah. bit? Yeah, I was having a birthday party and uh, we were playing some uh, uh, record by the Flying Burrito Brothers and... Uh, in the kitchen having some drinks singing along and and the light bulb sort of was literally above our heads going you know i think we should be doing something together and slowly but surely i think the idea was uh transformed from uh just a just a party favor to to reality so we slowly and surely got the got the band sort of rolling i mean there's a lot of bands that play a lot of cool music but um what drew us together was our love for the older style version of rock music so that's what we want to do we want to write music that sounds like it belongs in 1971, 72. We want to play every show like we're playing at the Fillmore. At least that's how I see it. I don't know how he sees it, but that, that's how I see it. And we're trying to just bring something that's, um, you know, very close to authentic version, and uh, which we believe is late 60s, early 70s. Good stuff. Right on. And so I just want to uh, step back just for a second, Darren, is... Uh, I guess it happened over Facebook. I, I, I'm not. I don't really recall how we found one another, and uh, so uh, go for it. Well, um, I like making friends with uh, cool people who like cool rock music. Some of them happen to host podcasts like you do, which is great, or radio shows. And you know, I'm a friendly person, so I just connect with people who I feel are like-minded. And so we started a relationship uh, that I initiated on Facebook. And over the last uh, 12 months, we've just, you know, commented here and there and determined that we both like each other and a friendship was born. That's kind of how it happened. It was a Facebook miracle. Yeah. Yes, yeah, uh, I believe in the, uh, the power of social media and of, you know, a lot of people would today, um, even philosophers, uh, I don't. I don't know your, your y'all's thoughts on uh, Jordan B. Peterson, but I think he, he's a great mind. Uh, I, I appreciate some of the things that he's doing for free speech and uh, speaking out about uh, you know just what it takes, like his twelve rules for life. But it's not about Jordan B. But anyway, it's like the poison of social media and how poisonous it can be. But here, uh, what we're doing now is some of the good that can come out. Music does bring people together, and um, I love chatting with people from all over the world. Um, you know, Alan, there's real rockers and you know passionate music fans all over the world, not just in Toronto, Canada, 
or in uh, Alabama, where you're at right now, they're all over the world. There are lots of them in the UK, some of them are in Australia, lots of people all over South America. So I get excited when I chat to, uh, you know, uh, with uh, international friends and talk about cool stuff like rock and roll. So music brings people together. Politics, religion is a great way to bring people apart. Or, just break them apart it, it is what you make it right if you're out to seek people that are like-minded like you and really like cool music you're gonna find them but if you really want to go and find hate you're gonna find that too so you know you got to pick your pick your spots i only really want to talk about music for the most part yeah. on facebook or to a lesser extent my kitties who are awesome but mostly music yeah i oh. love i love free speech but life's too short to hate you know yeah Brado, of uh, growing up in canada like, you know, we have our uh, rock and roll stations here. We have one called the Fox. We have another called the Eagle. And they do a great job of representing music from the uh, late 60s, uh, 70s, 80s, even uh, 90s now because they cover classic rock. And so uh, from the time period of the late 60s, uh, you know, to grunge is uh, – and it's a big that's a big part of rock uh, and that's their coverage so like how did y'all get into rock and roll and what were some of your earliest memories of just finding it this question let's go for it do you want to go for it first sure. um you know i i was very fortunate to uh to grow up in a home where i just had access to a lot of music i had a very large sort of a cd collection on hand and at a very young age I, I learned how to use the cd player and really developed a taste of music early on you know saturday morning when you want to uh wake your dad up you put on some iron maiden you know but you, you go from there and you know you really start digging on stuff like the almond brothers and led zeppelin and uh you know you just start listening to more and more of it as you get older and, and different things but uh yeah it, it sort of inspired me as i uh i, I grew up not in a musical household, but luckily there were some guitars kicking around, and uh, I, I saw my way to it from there. Right on. I actually grew up in a musical household. My dad, um, he's a very mediocre guitar player, but he's actually charismatic enough to carry a crowd. So what he does with three chords is actually kind of special because he's not very good. He knows a bunch of songs that revolve around these three chords, um, but it's his personality that helps, you know, Bring the message out and he seems to entertain people he's got a good voice um, and he's actually quite a charismatic man so i have memories of my dad playing family parties and entertaining and he's got the whole crowd in the palm of his hand the 40 50 people that are there and i always remember that um from a young age i was in piano lessons playing stuffy old royal conservatory piano and i just wanted to play video games and baseball like every other normal kid um but at the age of 12 I discovered the rock music of the 90s. So I had quite the musical education before 12 and started getting into playing guitar. Uh, I'm 38 now, but I started learning uh, about, you know, cool bands like Nirvana and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and Smashing Pumpkins. So I'm actually a 90s kid. I'm just a couple years older than him, but I was like really, you know, kind of at a cool age while maybe the peak of that whole Seattle grunge thing was happening, 94, 95. So that's actually, that's my story there. And that, that I, in my opinion, that is the last great era for rock and roll. Yeah, I'll agree. Okay. Uh, so Mudhoney, what do you know of Mudhoney? I know they're from Seattle. They're what, a three piece? I know that they're Seattle legends. 
Mm, like a couple songs. The father, the father of grunge. And you know they can lay claim to that too. Um, and you know, like the battle for Seattle there with the grunge, Mud Honey was first, and then you had Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Okay, I would argue, and like I believe, I agree with what you said. That was some of the greatest. That was the death of rock and roll. Uh, it died with Kurt Cobain. Of uh, you know, and we have rock we have rock and roll bands now, such as the Foo Fighters. And uh, we have great bluesmen such as Gary Clark Jr. And uh, we have the Black Keys. We have people like Jack White who are very innovative when it comes to guitar and music and recording. Uh, but I think something happened when Kurt Cobain died to rock and roll. What do you think? I remember being 11 years old and I was pretty devastated because I just started getting to Nirvana and I had in utero. And, you know, that was the first uh, celebrity death that I, I kind of experienced. Now, I didn't know this guy. He never personally personally touched my soul, like, you know, um, but his music did, at least, you know, when I was 11. So uh, I was pretty sad. The death of rock and roll. I mean, you could you could say that. Um, and I think you might have a good case for that. Very valid point. I don't know about that. But maybe, I don't know. I can't really, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can disagree with that. But that's not to say that, you know, there's been some good things that have come out since. It's just like there was a spirit and I feel like the spirit sort of died with him. And I get that. I think that's a very valid point. But, you know, there are bands that, uh, you know, you've also pointed out and, uh, and other groups as well. that have sort of done very well since, you know, 1995. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Well, if I can add to that, okay, so no, I think I, after thinking about this for about all of a minute, I think I'm going to have to politely disagree <laughs> you. I don't think rock and roll can die. It's just no. a, what happened is that, and this is kind of cool, I think it went underground. It's not at the forefront of people's minds where like, you know, well, depending on the demographic too. For the younger generations, you're probably looking at EDM, rap music, and video games as the three big things that are holding their attention, Right. Um, but I think for the older people, sure. I, I think rock music is very much alive and well, but on a very underground scale, because again, there's real rockers all over the world. There are literally hundreds of up and coming rock bands. Some of them will make it. Some, most of them won't, but there's a lot of, you know, cool bands out there or bands that are just trying to, you know, their best to, um, you know, play authentic rock and roll style of music, um, I don't talk about this often in interviews, but you know this. I do host radio show. Justin was a co-host, and so I know we talk, I'm not going to talk about it, but I will. I, I'm actually comfortable talking about this. But what I'm saying is that I personally know of a lot of bands, but they're scattered all over the world, and they're indie bands. But the spirit is there. Yes. It's at the underground level. And the stuff that makes it to the surface might be somewhat watered down. I'm not here to mention names or make disparaging remarks, but you can pretty much guess who might be I'm talking about. You know, some bands might sound like, well, no, I won't even go there. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the stuff that's meant for the masses, I don't think it's supposed to be rock and roll. But there's so many passionate people scattered throughout the world that still remember who Cry of Love was or Love Government Mule or love um, Rival Sons, or Blackberry Smoke and Steel Woods, or Whiskey Myers, and such and such, you know? So, You're right on. when he walks around, it's not the Barbara Streisand treatment, you know? Sometimes being a, a big celebrity is actually not a good thing at all. 
when you're a certain level. But a guy like Warren, he's famous in his realm and well-respected, more importantly than being famous. And he's got a worldwide following. So I don't know if rock and roll is meant to die. I don't think it has been died, but maybe the drawing power has diminished. Yeah, and I, and I think that was a... I think that was a really bad phrase of the death of rock and roll. I, I, I think it's better to the way that you put it. It was uh, not so much on the forefront of people's minds. And so like even today is there is there's there's a bit of a culture. I, I don't know so much in Canada, but like here in America, just like Alabama or here in the southeast is like you might you'll see a, a Nirvana sh- uh, shirt out. You know, you'll see an offspring. You'll see a rage against the machine. And it's like, well, rock and roll, punk rock is very much alive. And so, like, we know that these these younger people are being influenced uh, by the same people that we were influenced by. And uh, to what you were talking about earlier is when we look at Led Zeppelin, a great example of, like, just looking... Uh, at rock and roll right now, you have a band like Greta Van Fleet, who are, they're incredibly young, they're incredibly talented, and a lot of people just think that they're just uh, Led Zeppelin 2.0, and I'm not going to argue here or there about that, but it's like, it is wild for me for them to be giving rock and roll hell, and like, everybody's like, eh, sounds too much like Led Zeppelin. You know, it's it's such a weird thing to me. What's that? Well, that, Thoughts? I just want to say that that although they might sound like Led Zeppelin, you know, like that's coming from uh, the majority of people, I'm sure, that I'll, I'll claim because everybody's speaking the two band names in the same breath, like you did. But, you know, I think it's really like, if it's not so much them as a band, but it's uh, the people sort of behind them and really the producers or anything like that. And I, I don't know, but I'm just sort of speculating that it's done on purpose. And, I, you know, I feel like you got to be yourselves. You got to be unique. And, you know, that that's the thing about us, you know, as a band, I'm sure there's a lot of people that could pigeonhole us and say, we sound like this, we sound like that. But, you know, I don't think there is something that we sound like in particular. And that's the great thing. But unfortunately for them, there's one band that they sound a lot like and everybody's noticed. So, you know, yeah, you got to, you got to be unique. You got to be yourselves. You know, you can't, uh, can't, can't just be given everybody because everybody loves Led Zeppelin, right? But you're just kind of giving the people what they want. But, uh, you know, what I think most people. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're rehashing, in my opinion, but they're still great as it is. I don't want to say. Yeah. Um, and single anybody out disparaging remarks or whatever. But um, I think the truest form of rock and roll is found in a garage, a basement. You know, a show that's low attended. The stuff that seems to creep to the surface, some of it has been kind of watered down, I feel. And um, But rock and roll will always have a presence. It's just that, you know, for the young kid now, you know, in 1971, the young kids were into rock and roll. That was, what, like 50 years ago? Not literally. long ago. Yeah. Right. Okay. But the young kids of today, of 2021... They seem to be more into rap and EDM yeah, and um, video games and stuff like that. And yeah. it, so if, if the young kids want to listen to that, cool. Because uh, I have great conversations with people in their 50s, 60s, and sometimes even in their 70s. And I love it. And especially the, those kind of people because they lived through the golden years of rock and roll. 
I don't think rock and roll can ever die. And there are some bands, again, Rival Sons this, Blackberry Smoke that, that are quite authentic. You know, I feel Rival Sons might be today's version of Zeppelin or Sabbath. Uh, Blackberry Smoke to me is today's version of Skinner or Marshall Tucker. And I'm cool with that, right? And, you know, they're going to influence a bunch of other young kids to really smoke the guitar and whatever. So that's cool. I don't think it'll ever die, you know? But the thing is, is that the sad reality is that I don't think most of it is going to make it to the surface and influence the mainstream. So that's what I think. Yeah, and that... And that's just it. And that's what I love about like having this podcast and being able to have this conversation with uh, musicians, especially, you know, Wayward Saint. And this is something I have a lot of respect for Canadian music. Like uh, there's been a lot of great bands uh, come from Canada. And like a lot of times, like people just automatically is like, oh, that was American. Like we want to just snatch that away from y'all, it seems like. Uh, I, I don't know if y'all if if y'all feel like that sometimes. It's like they just kind of blow up in America, and it's like, oh, they're American. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they go, yep, I'm American now, and then they go off to California or to Alabama or wherever they need to go. You know, yeah, we've had some good yeah, like a- 30, 40, 50 years. We've, we've had some nice nice stuff. Yeah. And I mean, and that's just to get to the uh, to where we are now with Wayward Saint is uh, uh, when you when you sent me uh, y'all single, uh, I listened to it, and this is when I know something has me, is I just press play again, and then I hit play again, and then I hit play again, and I was and I was just thinking I was like. They really have something special. And to talk about, and that kind of builds into the theme of what we have going on right now is it goes to that Neil Young thing, rock and roll will never die. And like with the sounds that's coming from Wayward Saint, it's like it, uh, strong female vocal lead, uh, powerful uh, guitar playing that are harmonizing with one another. Uh, the bass and drummer are right in sync. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I believe this thing, yeah, possibly born in a garage, and I want to hear the story of Wayward Saint, but uh, this, y'all have quite the sound, man. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs> you know, we're all uh, fans of 70s rock, um, and again, it's like I feel that a lot of people weren't, you know, going back to that era and doing it, so it's like, you know, just writing a bunch of this kind of riffs and finding, you know, there's a lot of great music. This it was very tough to find each other. Like I, we already talked about how we kind of found each other, and we live in the same city. But you know, we've auditioned mm-hmm. a lot of really nice people. Some people who are good musicians, but maybe not very rock and roll oriented. And so, what I'm trying to tell you that it was very difficult to put together the lineup. It uh, probably put on a couple of gray hairs that hopefully you can't really see, but um. <laughs> It, it was hard, man, because there's a lot of great musicians, but it takes a certain kind of person to be in this band. You have to have gone to the school of Graham Parsons and Jackson Brown and Grand Funk Railroad and Wishbone Ash and Neil Young. And uh, there's so much stuff that I'm missing. Of course, Zeppelin, yeah. Professor Jimmy Page, like, you know, and a lot of people are into modern rock uh, around this area, which is fine. If you're into that kind, go for it. That's that's your right. 
but we want to do something that's um, a little bit more throwback and, you know, finding the right people to do this. It's um, trying to find the needle in the proverbial. You know, it's kind of what you were saying about uh, about our sound. You know, I feel like that that's what Darren's saying is that, like, we, we had such similar influences with the old school stuff that it, it was it, it wasn't hard to do. It's not like we, you know, we took time and time again. It was like, you know, as soon as we came out with uh, within the wild, it was like we knew that's that's what we wanted to do. We're doing old school music, but, you know, we're doing it our way, I guess. Um, We've um. Mm-hmm gone through yeah. a couple different <clears throat> where we had, you know, we were flirting with other names and whatnot, and we've had, um, <sighs> yeah, we, we went through a few musicians, and their last, maybe their commitment level wasn't at where we were hoping that it would be, um, so it, it was drag, and that has nothing to do with musicianship or a great person, but, you know, some people want to play music for, uh, for a hobby, which is cool, you know, you're at the campfire strumming a waste song, have at it. That's great. You know, but what we want to do requires another level of effort and it's a, it's a commitment to each other and to the music. And it takes a special person to really want to, you know, go for it and, and do that. So it was very hard to find the right people, but from 2016 to 2019, we had a lot of bunk auditions, but we finally got together in 2019. So um, that year, we found a Brazilian bass player who's like our, who's our brother, uh, Bill. Um, he's originally from Brazil, but he's a fantastic, not only guitar player, but he plays bass in the way we're saints. And his guitar playing is quite different from uh, um, very powerful rock sound. He's a fantastic musician. Uh, we have a drummer that we found that has the same last name, but they're not related. That's comedy that writes itself. But how I found the singer, Lindsay Coleman, I knew of her band, The Howl, uh, from about 2016, and have been uh, kind of keeping a tab on her for a couple of years and trying to poke at her and see if I can recruit her for this band because, you know, finding great musicians for any instrument is very difficult, but the singer might be the hardest. Maybe the singer and the drummer might be the hardest. So I knew of her for a couple of years and kept kind of trying to poke at her and an audition, and I finally reeled her in, and um, she's, she's incredible. She is the right person to um, to front this band, and it's, it's very tough to be a singer. It's very tough, and I think she does a a, a great job. There was a, there were a few points that you made of during that, and I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Is uh, and we're being polite, but uh, I think this is important, and I believe it's the same as uh, someone wanting to uh, start a podcast or anyone who is inspiring to do something artistic. And I love what you said. Uh, You said you have to want it. You have to be professional about it. It's not something that you're just going to walk into, right? It's like you, you have to want this just as much as everyone else in the band. And that is absolute rare to find. So hard to find uh, because most of them are already doing it. They're already involved in something else, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Like I, you know, before Darren and I found each other, you know, we were, you know, I'm looking for musicians, but I'm playing in a band and I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with myself. And, and, you know, to, to your point, when you say like 
sense. Yeah, like we, as soon as we found each other, we knew when we actually wanted to start this band. I think we knew right away that we weren't going to do it sort of, can I say half-assed, you know? Like we we both knew that we wanted to do this full on. Yeah. Very seriously. And so it was so great to, you know, almost challenge each other to be like, oh, you're, you're serious about this band? Okay, well, I want to rehearse twice a week. Yeah, well, so do I. Okay, well, I want to start writing our own music. Yeah, well, so do I. Let's get to it. You know, and, and it progressed from there. It, you know, we, we had to get the members first, of course, but, you know, slowly but surely, it sort of uh, built from there. Yeah, yeah, right on. And, like, when everyone kind of began to fall in place, uh, I mean, what was that like? Were uh, Darren or y'all two uh already writing guitar riffs together or i mean or how did that sound come together i love talking about this so the thing is so we're um you know we live like seven minutes away from each other like finding him was like a gift from god to be honest with you because he's a little bit older uh, sorry younger than me and it's hard to find uh, you know people in the city of mississauga that has about almost eight hundred thousand people it's not a small city but it's very difficult to find younger cats that are into this kind of music. So finding him really was, uh, you know, a, a blessing. And I thank Jesus, the Lord, every day for finding somebody as quality as him. You know, so when we first got together, we realized uh, very quickly that we kind of have a different way of approaching the guitar. But when we come together, it's actually somewhat effortless. That's what I love. I swear to God, you put a Bible in front of me. Like, you know, we do have to work out parts like double leads. And, okay, man, what are you doing here? Are you playing the rhythm? Can we play some lead over here or vice versa? And we do put things under the microscope. But the level of effort that we put in to doing it, yeah, we do put in a lot of work. But it's not frustrating work. It's not like, oh, my God, this guy doesn't get it. Like, you know, because we have two different styles, kind of. When we come together, it's actually somewhat complimentary. And that's what I love about that. And I feel the same way about like pretty much every band member, but just guitar wise, the first two members of this band, me and him writing those, these riffs and piecing these songs together. It's very much peanut butter and jelly with me and him. Oh yeah. And more so as time goes on too, you know, we kind of always uh, get to know each other even more on, uh, on our respective instruments as time goes on. Right. So we had all these songs and they just, you know, had to find, uh, you know, we made a couple of little demos and it was a great way to help find, you know, other players that were more committed and stuff like that. And yeah, it was good, man. But it, it took a lot of it took a lot of work. So um, when we first met the bass player, I had a phone conversation with him. And um, we were talking about, you know, goals and aspirations of, you know, what are you looking for in music? What are you hoping to achieve? Oh, you want to play the Fillmore? You want to open up for Zeppelin? Cool, man. So do I. Let's do it. And, you know, so quickly trying to suss people. Like, you know, if we're into the same kind of uh, uh, things and, you know, are we going to get along? Okay, whatever. So the bass player came along two years ago and it's great. We get along just great. He's a lovely character. Yeah, guy, yeah. Lovely character. Um, and then, you know, with the singer, I sent her a couple demos. And the first audition, so we had a drummer. We had another um, older gentleman, and um, he was a great fit, but he had to leave. So he never got booted or anything, but he had to leave in January 2020 because he just had to put, like, you know, you know um, a little bit more money in his pocket and food on the table, whatever. And then we quickly found um, Aaron, our new drummer. He's not that new anymore. And um, 
he fell into place. He knew exactly what we wanted to do. He was a hard-hitting drummer with a great muter and, and more importantly, a, or, or equally importantly, a great attitude. But when we played with the singer the first time ever, we just knew. Um, and again, I knew her for a couple of years, and I had an inkling that she would be the right person for this band. And when she came into um, the audition and the backline band was kind of tight already, she just, you know, knocked out of the park and hit um, a home run for us. It was great. So we knew right away that, you know, this this is a great lineup right here. Right on, dude. And, like, just, just talking to you about, like, the how tight the band is, uh, it is the exact opposite of uh, my band. Is um, but we're we're a blues band, and like it turns into it turns into uh, uh, the Groove Johnson. Cool, cheap plug. I love it. Yeah. It's your show, so you have to plug. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to compare uh, our contrast style here, uh, because I think there's something to be said about rock. And I think there's something to be said about blues. And I think one influenced the other. Yeah. And uh, I believe this is a great time to like talk about like this. So with Groove Johnson, and the way I met Groove Johnson, it's a three-piece. It's uh, me and uh, Matt Mason, Philip Sable. Uh, everybody sings. Uh, I'm not singing yet. I'm still learning the words, but like I will be. And so I play the bass, and I'm also, I got a little MIDI keyboard to kind of like do some inlays, but I haven't started doing that yet. But uh, they contacted me two weeks before playing at the Blue Front Cafe. Uh, Philip did. And he's like, hey, man, I was going to see if you wanted to be in the band. And I had had him on the podcast almost a year ago, and I uh, was getting really familiar with the blues. And I've been a musician for 16 years now playing guitar. And, um, yeah, I want to be in this band. Uh, I love what this blues band does. I love their sound. And we had a 30-minute practice. And I've wrote this down. We've played 11 shows since then, and we haven't practiced again yet. And so it's it's a... It, it's a matter of it's it's just the blues, and so of uh, and I'm sure both of y'all know like with experience with growing up and playing your favorite rock band song is after you've done it enough times, it's kind of repetitive, and so you know where things are gonna go, right? And I'm playing bass, and I I'm not a bassist, but like I can play bass. Cause you're just you're chasing lead notes, and you're chasing melodies. Or are you um, in the blues band as a bassist? Are you playing songs that are pretty much the one, four, five standards? No. Oh, okay. No, these uh, and that's what's crazy <coughs> is uh, well, you know the blues it, it comes in a certain package. So yes, on some of that, but it also comes in. Uh, Philip Savile and myself are students of Jimmy Duck Holmes. He's a Bentonia-style blues player. Uh, it derives from hill country blues. Then there's also the Delta blues in Mississippi. And, uh, you know, 
You had someone such as, oh, who did, uh, oh, Led Zeppelin, Robert Plant, no, it was the Stones, I'm sorry, uh, Jagger. They came and got some dirt from the crossroads from Robert Johnson. I mean, we're talking about, he came to Mississippi because he understood where his music was coming from. And, like, so, the Bentonian-style blues, the Hill Country blues, that style of blues is not a typical 1-4-5. It's, it's a bit different. Uh, a lot of times, it, it, may, it may only play the one, and it may go to two. But, like, the, there's a lot of hypnotizing with how everything moves. Because uh, you don't learn the blues with your hands. You learn the blues with your feet. I'm sure it sounds spectacular what you guys do. Yeah, I mean, and that's just the thing. And it, it turns into, uh, I mean, I, I'll never forget the longest show that we played. It was, uh, it was a three-hour set. Damn. And... I mean, I, we had only played for like an hour set, and I was just looking over at Philip, and I was like, "Just tell me the key, and I'll fill it out, and we'll go." Because we we didn't know we were going to be playing this long, and and that it's that jam bandish blues, uh, very garage, but like. It's not tight. Everything is real loose. And that's one thing that I like about the track that y'all sent. It is, it's very tight and everything is just in place. And so like I'm coming from somewhere that's very loose and y'all are coming from somewhere very tight. And so it's like, I would love to make music with y'all sometimes and see if I get on your nerves. <laughs> you know, um, it's kind of, um, a lot of it's very, I guess discussed like you know some of it kind of like you know mapped out a little bit you know it isn't your typical one four five where you can anticipate the next chord and here you go it's just like kind of jump in there um i don't know i like to think that our music is simple and yet complex in its own way yeah. um nothing wrong with one four five but you know the, we're also chasing you know a little bit more than that we're uh, i said this earlier tonight we're avid fans of songwriting right we really love a well-written song and i feel like Sometimes for us, and especially for our band, I feel like that's imperative to uh, to crafting, you know, really good songs, and that's something that you need to sort of prepare ahead of time, right? As opposed to, uh, all right, boys, take it from the top. Let's, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, he definitely has a very prog side to him, and I'm kind of um, a little bit on that side as well, too. Um, but it's, I don't know. I almost, I would hope that some people can think that it's a thinky man's kind of rock and roll a little bit, but without being completely prog. I, I like the idea of being different and you know, yeah. stuff that is um, a little bit off kilter. For example, I'm going to be sending you uh, our next single. It's called Pay No Mind. And the drum intro is in, what, 7-4? Uh-huh. Right, it's like... Which is uh, an, an odd time signature, you know. People are more familiar with four four and uh, six eight, um, but it's little things like that that are just a little bit different. And in my books, different is good because different is unique, and being different slash unique should help you stand out from the rest of the pack. 
of really great musicians, but literally statistically, when you think about it, there literally is hundreds or thousands of great rock bands out there. So, you know, maybe being different is being unique. Maybe unique will help us stand out. We'll see. Yeah. And I mean, just in today's world, I mean, who knows? Uh, you have uh, the Island Boys from Florida. And I, I just know, I was like, that's going to be a thing. And, <laughs> and I'm kind of disappointed about that. It's just, I, you know, it's it seems like something just gets red hot. <laughs> something just... Shouldn't they be from the Caribbean or something like that? Maybe like St. Kitts or something? With all due respect, yeah. I, I think they, they, don't they look like people that stuck a fork in a, in a electrical socket or? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that, that is going to be, that is, that is going to be just topping the charts. I'm telling you. And like everyone is going to be sitting there with their arms folded. Like How? What happened? <laughs> and, and it's just so it's just so crazy how uh, music works today. It's like you can have something that is really pure and really true and really great, and it just fly under the radar. And then you can just have something like like he said. It's like they're about to go Super Saiyan on Dragon Ball Z, you know, or, or however you want to put it. And it's like it's just red hot. <laughs> music can be so disposable today right like people uh they consume it as if like it's just background noise and 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 it's just like the flavor of the week right if they're they've gone viral and and next week we'll be moving on to something else but you know that that that's sort of the power that social media has and really the effect that social media has on on music really because you know as much as yeah putting a good album on a turntable and all of that you know, people are consuming music that way. And when they see a video, next thing you know, it, it's blowing up and it's getting more hits than a good old rock and roll band that we all swear by. So, you know, it makes it, it makes this sort of question, are, are, do people really care about music the way they used to? But, you know, not everybody's out there chasing those guys. So the Island Boys. I don't think that people do care about music the way that they used to. Uh, 20, 30, 30, 40, 50 years. No way. No way. Yeah. There's, there was a more there was more respect for music um, because it wasn't as accessible. Now there's so much music, you don't even know what to do with it. It's just, it's, there's no value to it. It's like, you know, when you get a toy at Christmas once a year, it's like, whoa, I'm going to get a toy. But if you got a toy every week, is that really that special? No. no. But but that's no why I, I said, you know, uh, the, those two different words, right? You said accessible. I said disposable. And and that's kind of like you're going to throw that toy in the garbage. got one coming up. Exactly. And, because and, it's accessible, yeah. maybe it's be, now it's more disposable. Exactly. Yeah. Because you have so much of it, it's like, ah, whatever. There's no value to it. <laughs> so because it's garbage in your eyes, you're going to throw it out. And I'm surprised that I actually know who you're talking about. And, and yeah, I, I put the, again, flavor of the week, right? No idea. Yeah. I, and, and that's just it. That's just it. Is like, and, and just to, to revert back to my hat, just for a second, is... You know, uh, you complimented me on the hat. Uh, pop country is for posers, and and so like, and this is a thing uh, that I love about what Darren does with Rock It Up. 
Uh, he plays really good music on his radio show. Uh, it's fairly... So, should I say the both of you? So, uh, great taste. And it's another thing. it's another thing about this show is... I'm trying to give people a brand new taste. I want I want you to know something new. I want I want this to know if this is palatable. And so, yeah, I hate to bring up the island boys, but that's just how things work. And then you have terrestrial radio, and I have a hat here saying that pop country is for posers. And so it's pop rock, pop country, and all this pop, 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 pop. And then, like you said, Darren, was it seems like everything seems to be underground and indie. If if it's worth, if you have to look for it, it's worth finding. And I, I think uh, that we are beginning to get to a place uh, with these different style medias that the underbelly that is so good about country that isn't pop, rock and roll that isn't pop, blues that isn't poppy hip-hop that ain't poppy and we're gonna get to the belly of the beast and we're really gonna get the good out and we're gonna turn it over but the problem is this is from what i see okay from a consumer standpoint that's great that maybe you found your new favorite band in uh Verbier's, uh belgium i don't know that's great but unless this band is making money you know is well promoted has a manager that's well connected has bigger opportunities where they actually can make money. Your favorite band in Belgium or Italy or Alicante, Spain, and I know a great band from Alicante, Spain, they're broke. And because they're broke, they're not going to be able to do this anymore. So that's the problem. So some, some really great stuff is underground, but they're underfunded. They're going to call it a day after four or five years when they realize that they can't keep going on like this. They're just bleeding money. And that's the problem. The best stuff is underground. The sad reality, what I see to believe, is that the stuff is underground because it's not really, you know, making a sustainable living. They're going to call it a day because they're going to realize that one day that financially is not as rewarding as they hoped it was going to be. It's, it's, it's. I don't know if you have as not as much freedom as I have, but I play those indie bands on my show every time I do a show, and like I'm getting ready to start a record label. I'm getting I'm getting ready to start a record label to grab these artists and to get them recorded and to get their music out there. Now, does that help them? Do they still go hungry? Possibly. But at least they have somebody that's working with them that they're not going to be signing a contract to. They are they are not like we're not going to hold you to you have to be this sound. You have to do it this way. And we're not going to, you have complete artistic freedom. And we're going to put your music out and we're going to have the people write it up. We'll pay for the write outs. We'll do everything that we can do. All we need you to do, and we're going to help you do it, is book, gig the shows, and go rock your face off. And keep going. Because I believe, like, the, the way that music is especially for indie and the way that I'm seeing it being done is it is not so much in the bars. And then, I mean, we all want to be those, uh, arena rock bands. It is in the house shows in the DIY, DIY scene. 
in roping those shows together and building a great tour within that because the people who go to those shows really like music and are really into music and it doesn't matter what style. And then if you have somebody who is willing to bet on them and put their music out and not charge them for it and be like, your only job is to go sell it. Then I get my return back and you get your return back. And, and that is the way it should be done. Perhaps I, I, at the end of the day, as a independent musician, you know, if I can pay my bills, however it happens with the power of original music, I'm all for it. Um, you know, as a original musician, I can only hope and pray that I'll have a booking agent that um, has been doing this for a while and, you know, can you know, make that happen. Well-connected manager, a label that has some money to fund the band. And, you know, I think that would be great. You know, if any band can, you know, feed themselves with their original music, whatever genre, even if I don't particularly care for it, my hat's off to them. Because at the end of the day, I, I think th- success. I think that's... Go ahead. I think you're a success, regardless of any genre, if you can pay your bills. It's not about riding motorcycles through Marriott uh, hotels and throwing TVs through the window 20 floors down and giving somebody uh, a broken neck or concussion or death. I'm, I'm still looking forward to that, by the way. Well, you're probably going to be banned from all the Hiltons <laughs> out there. But if you can pay your bills, <laughs> you know, put food on the table and rent. Why don't you work on that first? That's the first step. And then, you know, the models and such and such. That'll come afterwards, I promise you. The caviar. You can, hey, listen, pursue what you want to do. And if it don't work out, you can come crash with me in Bama, okay? I will put you up because <laughs> I have done I have done those things you've you've spoken of, and I'm still here. <laughs> you do that because yeah. I might be visiting Bama next year, as I uh, already outlined for you. So you know, at the end of the day, like I think your success with music, whatever genre, if you can honestly like tell yourself you can pay your bills and you're happy being who you be, you know, because um. You know, it's a different ball game now than it was 30 years ago where you know money was there. Now, it's not about the glitz and the glamour and stuff like that. Don't fool yourself with the vanity and all this this fakeness. You got to keep it real. And keeping it real, can you honestly pay your bills? Or are you working a day job and you're keeping this regional? If that's the case, that's okay, but you still have a day job. Yeah. If you can transition and make this full time where you absolutely don't have a day job, you can't even keep a day job because, you know, you're playing 150 days a year all over the world or more. That's great. And, you know, it's not about the money. If you love music, the payoff is being able to quit your day job, touching the hearts of a many all over the world and playing wicked shows and meeting new people all over the world. Yeah, you have to do what you love. If you can find a way to monitor- That's what I'm... That's what it's all about. That's what I'm... That's what that's what I'm working toward building. <clears throat> is uh it's 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 not so much about the bars anymore. It is these DIY DIY scenes in the south. And it's these house shows that you can do and it's about building those circuits. At least here. I can't speak so much to where you are, but I'm telling you, it's like you could put a three week tour together. And you could take six to twelve weeks off before you had to plan another tour like this. 
and they're completely possible all across the Southeast because, like, the Southeast has really understood that pop country is all that's on the radio. (coughs) And they... (coughs) And they really want (coughs) real music. (coughs) And they don't want to go to a bar and be interrupted. They want... They want what they paid for. They they want that music. They don't want somebody talking over it. That's the same. That's the same across the board. I think you know it, it's it's funny because even though we might be kind of far apart, we might be in two different countries, but really, like that's uh, it's the same thing over here. You know, I think people respect going to a show and hearing good music, and they want to make sure. You know, if there's a, a hockey game or a football game on in the corner, yeah, can you turn that off for a second, turn it down? Because we want to hear the band. That's why we came here. That's right. Does that always happen? No. But there is a scene as well, right? So, you know, fortunately, I think people sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're attracted to that that kind of thing. If you want to you see good music, you'll seek it out and you'll find it. Yeah, totally. You know, I mean... I want to say that like everything that you guys deal with as America, you know, we're, we're your neighbors up North. We deal with it as well too, just uh, because of our population being like maybe a one eighth of what yours is. We deal with everything that you see on a smaller scale. Yeah. So, you know, again, we do see kids walking around with Nirvana sliver shirts and whatever, and you know, with Zeppelin shirts. So we, we see everything that you see, oh, yeah. but maybe not to the same degree. You know, a lot of us are sick of, uh, you know, pop country, and, you know, um, not authentic rock and roll and stuff like that as well, too. But at the end of the day, you know, again, it's really about trying to make a living doing this. And as in some ways, maybe being an American is an advantage uh, to be able to, able to do that. Maybe in some ways, Canadian is an advantage. I don't know. I can see that in, for both cases, there's advantages to being both. For example, you guys live in a country that has... Well, it. Oh, go on. What's that? Oh, I, I think um, you're going to make a point. No, I mean, I, I'm glad that you brought that up is the fact that, and this is what I really wanted to capitalize on is like, y'all are Canadian and I'm American. And I really wanted to talk about these differences. So yeah, please go on. Okay. I feel like we're so similar, but there's also some difference. I have a lot of American friends and I've uh, been a little yeah. around in America I have really good friends in Jersey that I've visited and stuff like that. And when I go to Jersey, for example, I see so much similarities, but I can also see some cultural differences for sure. So thinking about Alabama, I mean, I'm going to go hopefully visit you and meet you, but I can see a lot of similarities. Like we speak English, we listen to cool music and stuff like that. And there's also garbage music perhaps. And you know, we a lot of our cultures are the same. But you guys do it a little bit differently down there than we do it up over here. But, you know, we're your North American brothers, man. Like, you know, we're just, you know, maybe we watch a little bit more hockey. Right on. You know, it's, uh, we're, we're very similar. I'm actually parcel to hockey. I, I, like, the, I like the hockey, okay? <laughs> I like the hockey. Hey, well, I, I'm personally, I'm sure you guys are red tied, right? You know? I'm not. Yeah. Not a big college football guy, but I'm a really big Packers fan for the NFL. I've been following them all my life, so. Well, there you go. I mean, there's something. And I, and just just to go to you just for a second is, uh, man, like, 
to talk about your influence, like, why'd you pick up the guitar? Like, who was it? Who, who, who really did it for you? It was Stevie Ray Vaughan for me. I mean, you know, Stevie Ray was huge when I was growing up, uh, you know, because it was so interesting for me. Like I, I, I told you, I wasn't uh, born into a musical family, but I was uh, very fortunate to have uh, a single father who just had a really good taste in music. So I was growing up listening to guys like, you know, the Almond Brothers and Led Zeppelin and things like that. And even though nobody was musical, I, I happened to have some guitars kicking around the house for one reason or another and watching one too many ACDC music videos, you know, you just pick up the guitar and, and, and pretend like you know what you're doing and you go from there, you know, and that, that influences you alone, right? But, but yeah, that's uh, anytime you, uh, you know, especially when you're growing up, right? Like rock and roll was huge in my house. As soon as I see that and uh, I see some guitars, I see Angus Young, I'm like, that's what I want to do, man. And the funniest thing is, uh, with Wayward Saints, you know, our first single, a lot of people sort of put us, uh, uh, said we were doing a, you know, doing a lot of a, an ACDC kind of style of rock and roll. And I thought that's so funny because we didn't intend to do that, but that, you know, is so deep in my blood from, from growing up in rock and roll that it's, it's an attribute to your influence. Absolutely. And, and it was one of those, it was a shocker. It was one of those, it didn't, uh, I didn't acknowledge it until, we put the song out and it came back from the people. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm glad to hear it too. Cause I still love them to this day. I re- I really enjoy the music that you are putting out. I, uh, I- I'm a huge fan. Like, uh, I've already told my radio buddies around town. And, uh, I, now that y'all have been on the show, I'm going to finally share it. That's the rule is like, I ain't going to share it until it's been on my show. I'm a little selfish in that regard, but, uh, <laughs> So, I mean, like, we appreciate your friendship and your support, and we're very grateful for it as well, too. So, if you want to go share it and tell all your Bama beauties about us, uh, that'd be great. You know, um, yeah. I can't wait to <laughs> uh, all our special friends in the South. And, you know, we're very similar. You know, you guys do maybe things a little bit differently in the South, but we're very similar. We're your, we're your brothers up north, man. So, oh, yeah. You know, we're very similar, very, very similar, you know, um, and we just want to play cool rock music. It's uh, honest to goodness from the heart. And we're trying to, you know, bring back the, maybe the some of the values and some of the, the music that maybe the semis would have. Uh, I don't know if uh, our heroes would um, give us the, the, the tip of the hat. I hope they will. Uh, that's what I hope. That's, that's the couple, goal, right? That's you know? really the goal. Well, and then to also, you know, have other people uh, appreciate it. Hopefully, um, you know, the young, the old, some people who are into blues rock, just cool rock music, they'll maybe uh, appreciate it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as much as we love music, we do want to be able to do this full time and make a career. So, yeah, it kind of is about money as well, too, a little bit. And not that we're greedy people, but we need to survive. Yeah. So we love this music. We also have to be able to find a way to make this, um, you know, a living. And uh, it's a tough thing to do. But if you do music today, you have to really love what you do. Because if you want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine, I don't know if this is the ticket to do it. But, you know, again, it's, you know, for me personally, and I think I can speak for Justin, it's not always about the money. You know, you have to love what you do as a musician, you know. And to me, the payoff is the, the, the fun lifestyle, you know, traveling, 
meeting cool people like you, having fun, touching people's heart. And, you know, we're artists. We, we appreciate art. You know, I don't, we don't worship the almighty dollar. It is important to make money to survive and, you know, just to pay bills and stuff like that. But, you know, I think we want a lifestyle that's a little bit alternative to that. You know, it's a very money-minded society that we're in. And we're not really about that. Although we acknowledge cool. it is to make money. You know, we do this. I want to do a quick fire. Go for it. Or uh, finish, finish what you finish what you were going to say. Oh, that's pretty much it, man. You know, we love what we do. We hope that one day we can transition to make this a full-time career, and we're working hard at being able to do so. Perfect, man. All right, so Darren, I want to do a three-question quick fire. Go for it. Is is Justin close to being back? He's here. He's just having an emergency beer. Aha, there he is. All right, quick fire, guys. DUI number one. All right. I want you, it's it's a two-parter. I want you to name your favorite guitarist that has passed on, and I want you to name your favorite guitarist living. Ooh, okay. Can I start? Go for it. Favorite guitar player. Oh, I want to say Johnny Winter. I want to. I want to say him and living. Oh, maybe Charlie Star. Maybe. Yeah. Let's go with that. Johnny Winter, Charlie Star. Done. Okay. Uh, All right. I mean, I guess for sure uh, passed on. I'm gonna go with Clarence White. Uh, maybe you're familiar with some of his later, uh, the, the later years of the Birds, but uh, phenomenal guitar player. Definitely look him up, Clarence White. And uh, for living, I mean, it, it's a tough one for sure. I have to go with um, Aldi Miola. He was definitely a huge influence for me when I was uh, getting back into sort of guitar-oriented music, and he's still doing a fantastic job today. So Great. All right. What's the next question? Cool. Ready. Num- number two, walking it out the door, is tell me your favorite show you've ever been to and not part two to this is living or dying a show you wish you could attend okay my favorite show okay i'll start with this maybe my favorite show and i've been to a lot of greats might have been hank three hank williams three the grandson of the legend and hank three's a legend himself toronto 2010 it was such a unique show all these metalhead dudes moshing to real country and Hank 3 looking like a skeleton, like he's been on a five-day heroin binge. And it was something special. The crowd was magnetic. The air was um, intoxicating. Um, so I might have to say that I'll go with that. Now, a show that I wish I went to, oh, man. Um, Humble Pie or Almonds at the Fillmore? Wow. Yeah. Okay. For me, like there, there's definitely uh, uh, a handful of concerts that really I can't put one above the other, but for sure in, uh, in Toronto, I've seen uh, return to forever jazz fusion, which was fantastic. Uh, I saw Neil Young at Massey hall. Um, amazing show. Um, I, Jethro Tull on my birthday was fantastic as well. It's so hard to pick a favorite, but, uh, but for one that, that I could never see one, uh, I mean, 
really I'd love it if, if I could have went back to go to Woodstock or to, um, oh, yeah. you know, um, the Monterey pop or something like that. But you, but, you know, you touched on uh, Fillmore and I'd probably have to say, if I can go to one of those uh, Zappa shows, 1971 at the Fillmore, for sure. That's probably my show. Perfect. What's that last question you have? All right. All right. Last question. Hardest one. What was your favorite part about this interview? Okay. Truthfully, my favorite part was probably like the very beginning meeting you and getting oh. to finally put the face to the Facebook friend. If I'm going to be honest. Cool. That, but it was a pleasure to finally get a chance to interact with you in this way because we've been Facebook friends for a while. So that was my big payoff. I had a great time chatting with you. It's been a very uh, fun uh, hour, hour and change. But if I'm going to be honest with you, yeah, I'm going to go with a right beginning. And it's not to say that this interview wasn't pleasant or whatever because it, it was awesome. But yeah, finally getting a chance to meet you, the legend. Good man. <laughs> oh, man. Same to you. Uh, I'd say, you know, since uh, especially we didn't really have any sort of uh, friendship prior to this, as soon as I saw your hat about pop country, I knew we'd get along right away. So that definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well guys the last thing we have to do this evening is please tell people how they can get in touch and follow and listen to the wayward saint right on so we do have a new single coming out called pay no mind on friday uh you can get that on spotify Definitely hit us up on our socials, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on everything, at WW Saints. And you can also check us out on the web, wayward-saints.com. Sign up for the Fan Temple if you guys want to know more, you want to see some behind-the-scenes stuff that we're doing. Definitely go there. But, uh, yeah, pay no mind. New single dropping Friday. Check it out for sure. All right. Well, Darren and Justin... This has been another episode of Porch Talk. I really appreciate y'all coming and sitting on this porch all the way from Canada. Uh, Till next time. Thank you for having us and hope to meet you somewhere in the near future and that actually might happen. Yeah, very nice meeting you. Thank you again. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate, interview the show, on whatever podcast app it is that you listen to on. Look for the next time. Darren or uh, a member of the Wayward Saint find their way back on the show. Uh, It was good to reach up to our uh, neighbors in Canada. You already heard Into the Wild. Now, here's the latest single. Pay No Mind. I'm out of here. Peace out, guys. There's a music festival at my house this weekend. You're all invited. Peace out.
visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.